and welcome to the Frontier Nursing University All Access Podcast. I'm Angela Bailey, Chief Advancement Officer and your host for this adventure. I'd like to welcome you all to the On Call Lounge here on the Frontier Nursing University campus in beautiful Versailles, Kentucky. Within this inaugural season, we give you an all-access pass to delve deeper into Frontier Nursing University and the individuals who are making a daily difference in advanced practice nursing, midwifery, education, and healthcare across the country. Today, it is my pleasure to welcome Dr. Mary Jones and Stephanie Boyd to the On-Call Lounge. Thank you both so much for joining us today. Hi, Angela. Hi. Hi, Angela. Thanks for having us. Oh, thank you for being here. It's so great to be with you, ladies. Um, I don't know that everyone is aware, but Frontier Nursing University has had everybody working from home. So any chance I get to hang out with uh, these two very cool ladies, I am excited to do so. And so before we dig in, I just want to, again, thank you both for being here today and I know that both of you have very busy lives outside of Frontier, and if we have time, I'd like to get into that just a little bit. But first, let's talk about the title of this episode. What the heck is an RCF? Mary, would you like to talk a little bit about that? So, sure, yeah. The RCF is known as the Regional Clinical Faculty at Frontier Nursing University, And our real work begins with the students once they attend Clinical Bound. Tell me, Mary, what is Clinical Bound for our listeners that don't know? So Clinical Bound is, um, Frontier is a little bit different. Um, They do the didactic work up front, and then they, the students go to their clinical settings once they've completed all their didactic work. So they can focus on their clinical um, practice and getting used to functioning as a nurse practitioner or a nurse midwife. So Clinical Bound is a week-long session where the students come to campus in Versailles and they learn skills and techniques that will help them become providers. Um, they meet, they come all from all across the country and they meet with other classmates. And once they finish Clinical Bound, then They work with their RCF to attend, to start their clinical sessions, actually. Yeah. Now, Clinical Bound is really a lot of fun. Um, Were you at the Clinical Bound that I was able to attend with students, Mary? I have been at so many Clinical Bounds because I've been a team leader. So I, I feel like I've been to many where you were present. Well, I actually went to, through some of the sessions at One Clinical Bound, and um, the session where you used that very realistic model to deliver babies was absolutely my favorite. I actually talked about this with Dr. Stone in a previous episode, and uh, there's actually video of my knees shaking as the students made me practice delivering or catching a baby as well. And uh, again, no, that, that video's never seen the light of day. So... Okay, so we're clear that the RCF, their real work with students begins after clinical bound, which is a week-long skills intensive. But what does a regional clinical faculty do? And is this a position that all universities have? So the regional clinical faculty is kind of unique to Frontier Nursing University. We um, have a, a panel of students that we work with closely. We spend time with them. We meet with them every two weeks once they start their clinical practicum. 
as the RCF, we grade your reflections and your case logs and your paperwork, everything that you have to submit um, for your clinical practicum, your RCF takes care of doing that. Um, they also are the ones that can tell you whether or not you can start clinicals. If you don't hear from your RCF, you can't start clinicals. <laughs> so it's a pretty important role. As far as other universities, um, I have worked at other universities prior to Frontier, and they do have what they call adjunct faculty, and those faculty do um, work with the students and grade their assignments. But in my experience, it's different because they they don't help the students find clinical placement like the RCFs at Frontier yeah, but I think there's a few other things that make you guys pretty unique and different from other universities. For instance, I know you also provide a lot of support to the actual preceptor. Would you like to talk about that a little bit? Yes. Um, prior to the students going to clinicals, we do meet with the preceptors and we offer them support. We offer them some CEUs that they can earn while they're having our students in precepting our students. Um, we have a large network of preceptors, around 16,000 preceptors um, that we have an affiliation with That's across the country. Amazing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think, correct me if I'm wrong, and Stephanie, you may know a little bit more about this, but mm -hmm. 16,000 preceptors, over 4,000 clinical sites spanning all 50 states. Is that correct? Yeah, we're actually, that's, we use about 4,000 clinical sites every couple of terms, but we have over 13,000 that we've utilized either in the past or currently, wow. and it's growing. So. Wow. Wow. <laughs> yeah. You know, I think that's remarkable because as our student um, body has continued to grow over the last decade, um, I know that there's been a lot of work that's went into also credentialing and certifying all of these different preceptors and clinical sites. And I know that, Mary, the RCFs, you really develop relationships, not just with the students who you support during this process, but with the sites and the preceptors. Um, I remember doing some preceptor site visits with you on a very rainy day in New York City. <laughs> yes. It seems like eons ago that we did that um, for a small town girl, um, less than 500 um, population. It was uh, an interesting time to run through the streets of New York City and just pretend like I've done this my whole entire life. Yeah, I was so impressed about when we went into the site that people knew exactly who you were, that they welcomed you, that, you know, you even brought a little gift for the site. So it was very meaningful to me to know that our RCFs really do have that supportive relationship, not just with our students, but also with our clinical preceptors at the at the clinical sites. So I know that your work with the students really begins, as you said, with clinical bound. So so, Stephanie, I think you have a lot to say about some support for students before Clinical Bound. And Mary kind of alluded to the fact that, you know, sometimes there's difficulty in finding clinical sites. You want to talk a little bit about your team? I would love to. So just to clear everything up for anyone listening, I am not a practitioner. I'm not a clinician. So I don't catch babies. I don't pretend to catch babies, any of that. Um, I'm actually the director of clinical outreach and placement, and I've been here for about 13 years. And I am so lucky to be able to work with 
this particular clinical outreach and placement team, which consists of a clinical services coordinator and three clinical advisors currently. And really the goal for, for our unit, our services, um, are to, to, to meet with the student as soon as they come to orientation and start walking them and talking them through the clinical site identification process because it can be rigorous depending on the program that the student is in, geographically where they're located. And so we always want to make sure that students know well in advance what the expectations are and also what resources are available to them. You know, some of our students will come in right away and know exactly where they want their clinical experience to be and what they want that to look like. But then we do have some students who come in and they're not really sure you know, they may have an idea, but perhaps they're new to that area or they haven't been a practitioner long and they haven't created a lot of relationships. So they're still trying to figure out what that clinical experience is going to look like. Mm -hmm. And the goal for us is to really help walk them through. There's so much, um, you know, in terms of what to do and what not to do when you're looking as a student uh, for clinical sites. We kind of give them some advice help them use our resources at Frontier and really try to get their plan in line so when they're ready for their RCF to look at their clinical plan and approve it, everything is, all their ducks are in a row, so to speak, and the RCF can just check, check, check and approve everything and the student can get ready to move into clinical bound and then their clinical experience. Um, and the flip side of that is we have our clinical services coordinator. She's more on the customer service preceptor side of things. Her name's Brittany and she will really work closely with our new preceptors and then also our more seasoned preceptors to help them with anything they might have questions about, um, you know, just using our online system. She's kind of our, our, we call her the preceptor whisperer because she answers all these questions um, because they are, you know, the RCFs, they're busy out at the sites, right? So they're out there uh, meeting with students and meeting with preceptors. They're not always right there at their phone right. to answer quick questions. So uh, Brittany's able to back up the RCFs uh, sometimes either with a technical issue or something uh, when they're out, you know, on doing that work on the ground. Yeah, so honestly, it sounds like in between your team, Stephanie, and the RCFs, Mary, that both the preceptors and the students are really supported from day one throughout their entire experience. Mary, mm-hmm. do you know how many um, RCFs there are in at FNU right now? Um, off the top of my head, let me just add quickly. I want to say there's probably close to 40 RCFs between all three programs. Mm -hmm. Um, And I know that we're um, increasing our student population. So we're also trying to increase our RCF population because it is, it is a time intensive position Mm -hmm. and we really want to give the support to the students that they deserve and that they do need. Right. And I think it's important for our listeners to understand that, you know, while Stephanie's team is holding down the fort here in Versailles and providing that excellent support, our RCFs actually live all over the country and they are spread out that way intentionally so that they can provide support to our students where they are and the preceptors where they are. It'd be really hard to do that from our campus in Versailles, right, Mary? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. It's nice to have someone out in the field supporting the students and the receptors. 
well, having that support back home. Absolutely. Now, Stephanie, I know that your team is a bit new. Can you talk a little bit about mm-hmm. why the team was created and when? Yeah, so our team was created essentially around the middle of 2019 is when I came on board, and then we hired all of our clinical advisors. And that really was, that came from really um, our administration, really looking at um, all of the data that we collect at Frontier, whether it's quantitative or qualitative data. We're very data-rich environment. And they were able to really pinpoint uh, some areas where students were indicating they would need more support. And uh, one of the places that, that they did, or one of the areas they thought, well, this might be a good idea to have some more support was right when the student comes in um, to the program. So the students have a rich, I mean, it's just a vast network of support already, right? In terms of academic advising, their didactic right. faculty, financial aid. But the one piece they, they said was perhaps missing was that focus on how do I identify clinical sites? Where do I start? Mm-hmm. Um, and how do I make sure I'm finding appropriate clinical sites? So um, that was really kind of where the dis- discussion started with administration on how do we develop um, support services for students in that area? Because the RCFs, quite frankly, you know, they have an assigned caseload, you know, and that's done on purpose. And so, you know, they may have 20 to 40 students, sometimes max. That's a lot of students um, to really be able to focus on out in their region. But you may have, you know, two or 300 students coming up the pipeline that haven't even reached clinical right. bound yet. And the RCFs really, um, you know, want to be able to spend all that one-on-one time with students and they just couldn't. And so, mm-hmm. That's what we were hearing from students is we want someone that can sit down with us and just really make sure that can really reassure us that what we're doing is, is right. Because the last thing we want students to do is get to clinical bound and not have all those things in place. Um, and so that's really why our team was formed to kind of help with that caseload up front. And really the RCFs could really focus on being in the moment at the site, doing the site visits to make sure the site's ready for the students, making sure the preceptors are appropriate, and then... Uh, being there for the student in the moment once they're there at clinical. So, Love yeah, it. it was pretty exciting. I don't know another university that has the type of office that we do and the type of services that we provide. And we actually have other students from other universities that will contact us and ask us for help. And it's, <laughs> you know, they're like, well, we, we can't really do that. But, you know, yeah. um, good luck. So, yeah, I think it's really it's really unique, the the relationship that our team has with the RCFs. We work really closely together to be able to provide support to that student it's when amazing. they need it. And, and, you know, not only is the support and the relationships and the network amazing, but it is amazing to me. And you mentioned it, that even this was evidence-based. And it's also mm-hmm. amazing to me that the students spoke and Frontier listened, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it, it's just... Um, a true example of the service that is at the core of Frontier's mission and our attitude towards all of our students and alumni. Absolutely. All right. So is there anything that either one of you would like to share about your team's accomplishments that you're most proud of, particularly you, Stephanie, because you guys have only been around for two years. Yeah. It's been, and it's been a whirlwind two years because I mean, I don't need to tell anybody if you've been awake, um, what's been going on in the world. And especially, you know, we were not even into this a year when COVID happened and we kind of have had to pivot as an institution in how we delivered services and provided all of our coursework um, to our students from a clinical perspective. And then 
you know, in turn, a lot of hospital systems and things were really having to put things on halt. So it was a stressful first year. Right. <laughs> but I, so I'm really proud of our team still being able to provide one-on-one service to students, even during a pandemic. I mean, I can't say enough about all the time and the hard work that the staff has put in uh, to supporting the students. And quite frankly, just, um, you know, being able to really develop new services for students. Right. That's the great part about working at Frontier. If we have a really great idea, uh, and especially if it's something the students have, because, you know, we make this assumption we know what the students need, right? But sometimes <laughs> they're not correct, and we have to listen to the students and what they say they need. So for Frontier to be able to develop this, you know, this service and allow us to say, what do you need? And then create the service as it's needed and create the resources it's needed. We've developed lots of systems, processes that are new to our students, and then just creating those relationships, I think, with the students and RCFs. I'm really, really proud of that because I feel like there kind of was a little bit of a a hole there um, that we're helping to help fill and meet a need. Right, right. Great. Wonderful. What about you, Mary? Can you talk about how this new team has helped you and the other RCFs in your role with working with students? Well, um, that's a really good question because I, I've been doing this RCF role for nearly 10 years now. Yeah. And um, I remember like getting students, they contact you immediately after they attend what we call Frontier Bound at Frontier Nursing University. That's their initial orientation to the university. So then they start asking all these questions and and how do I how do I contact these sites? And as Stephanie mentioned, you know, as an RCF, we're out we're out on the road, like running through an airport trying to text someone <laughs> as we're jumping on the um, shuttle bus in the Atlanta airport trying to get our messages across and it's just been really great having someone there that can you know we need to work on your resume we need to look at what kind of sites do you need because it it's different for each program Mm -hmm. you know everyone needs something different and they have now the specialists in the clinical outreach and placement that can help individualize each student's plan i love it yeah I definitely can't answer my phone every time it <laughs> Right. Right. I might be in the air. And COVID has kind of decreased some of the travel, but we're still networking with preceptors and right. students. So. You know, what I love most is that I can absolutely hear the passion for our students in both of your voices. And because I know you, I, I know that both of you are very passionate about that. Um, you know, Mary, we talked about you and I spending some time together in, in New York City. And one of the things that we did while I was there with you at a beautiful Airbnb in Soho that we got for a song. Yeah, we should do a whole po- podcast about Airbnb discoveries, right, Mary? Um, <laughs> so one of the things that I remember most about that trip, besides us running around in the rain, is the case day. Can you tell our our listeners what a case day is? So um, all of the students, as they near the end of their clinical practicum, have to present a case study, a a difficult patient that they cared for as a student 
or a memorable patient that they cared for as a student. It's all evidence-based, you know, all the information they collect and care for the patient is based on their evidence, the most recent evidence for that patient population. And we do them either virtually or in person. The in-person ones are great because obviously you get that face-to-face contact and then you share the knowledge, you share the information that you learned about caring for that patient. And the beauty of that is that, you know, somebody else might be having a patient with that same right. problem and they're like, what, what am I doing? What, what is my next step? And the senior students can share their cases and give them some support as they move up to become the senior student. You know, like Stephanie, of course, I'm not medical. You know, I'm a fundraiser by trade. And so attending those case days just blew me away. I was so impressed with the level of knowledge and information that these students were able to present and articulate, and and they clearly understood how all of this affected their patient. So, you know, when the other students started asking what I thought were some really tough questions, and the RCFs asking them some really tough questions, the answers were just peppered back. I mean, I I was just so impressed with the level of knowledge of our students, but I understand I'm biased, but wow, Uh it it was a, it gave me chills every time. (laughs) But now going back to New York, because, you know, that was a fun trip, Mary. It was a fun trip. I'm really, I'm really mad that I missed that trip. Now, now that you hear you all talking about it. Yeah, we were, we were even on the Today Show. We went to the Today Show with one of our faculty in a um, old Frontier Nursing University or old Frontier Nursing Service uniform, and the rest of us carried baby dolls, and we had all these signs, and they showed us on TV, and we were so happy. But uh, let me tell you, there's nothing like traveling through New York City at 4.30 in the morning. (laughs) (laughs) But we got some great pictures and good memories. But now, Stephanie, you're no stranger to New York City either. I seem to remember you running a little race in New York. Would you like to talk about that and why you did it? Yes. I mean, I have traveled in New York City at 4.30 a.m. in the morning, but I had supreme service because all the rail system, you know, everything is shut down just for the race because I ran the New York City Marathon. (laughs) So um, it's a ghost town uh, because, you know, all the local residents there know what's going on that morning. So they're not out and about, but um, it was kind of eerie, actually. Yeah, I ran the New York City Marathon there in 2018 for uh, Team Every Mother Counts. So one of my passions besides helping students at Frontier is uh, birth advocacy, and the other is endurance sports or endurance running. And so I don't know how much you all know about Every Mother Counts, but um, it's a nonprofit agency that uh, really works to help improve birth outcomes for women and babies across the globe. And I actually met their founder when she came to Kentucky. So Christy uh, Turlington Burns is their founder and she actually came to Frontier and was um, working working on a project and came and spoke to the students at Frontier. And that's where I met her and learned more about Every Mother Counts. And it inspired me to sign up to raise money uh, for 
that team and run with them in New York City. So that was my first New York City marathon experience. And it was amazing. It was amazing to be a part of that team uh, and to be able to really have a different platform outside of my work to be able to uh, promote healthy birth uh, experiences and healthy birth outcomes. So I learned a lot just through that experience. And yeah, it's a great, it's an awesome race too. Listen, I was so excited. You guys know me. If I am running, you better run too, because something's chasing me. I am not into (laughs) endurance, right? (laughs) I am the world's best couch potato, right? But I was so excited that you were running the marathon in New York and for Every Mother Counts. And um, Mm -hmm. Mary, you may not know this, but I was like tracking her. There was an app and I could track her on my cell phone and I was sending her all these crazy selfies that they showed on these big boards you know and it was such a special moment because you're right every mother counts and frontier have such similar missions and you know i think it's more important today than it ever was because our birth outcomes are continuing to decline um we're getting higher and higher um maternal mortality rates and infant mortality rates and we know that mothers of color particularly black mothers are four to six times more likely to die in birth than that of their white counterparts and so I just really um, love that you supported that cause and glad that that they are connected in some way to frontier and us to them yeah so it's, it's really amazing I learned a lot about I learned a lot about it and it's you know, birth advocacy, I say, so I had nurse midwives with both of my children, um, and one of them was a Frontier grad, and it was one of the most transformational experiences that I've ever had as a human being, and I, I tell everybody, having a midwife was my gateway to endurance, you know, being an endurance athlete, because if I could do that, if I could have a child the way that I did, it empowered me to be, like, I can do anything, right? right. And that's what um, that's what I've heard at Frontier over and over again about the strength of mothers, and midwives really help you as a as as someone who's giving birth understand your power and the power that you hold. Um, and so I, when I couldn't have children anymore, I would have children all day long if my husband would let me, but he won't let me do that anymore. <laughs> so um, we've retired from that sport and we've gone on now <laughs> to um, other things. But I started running and learned that um, I could use what my midwife and my doula had helped me learn, like um, just techniques, pain management techniques and things like that. I apply those now when I'm running and racing. So to do an ultra run, you know, to do an ultra race over 30 miles, you know, 30 to 60 miles, I pull out all those tricks out of my bag that my midwife um, taught me. And it's what gets me through really, you know, not just physically, but it's the mental aspect and Mm. so i'm still using all those those things today so just the midwifery model of care to be able to support it through the work i do at frontier or through any of the hobbies that i have is is it's a little way that i can give back right in some way and help improve those outcomes hopefully for all women but especially women of color and and uh, underrepresented groups that maybe don't have the same care that 
some of us are afforded. Right. You're amazing, Stephanie. You know, I get worn out driving 60 miles, much less <laughs> running it. But, you know, but now hey, I'm not swimming and biking it like Mary, though. I right. have done, like, small triathlons, but Mary's doing, like, these very long races. So. Right. I was going to say, Mary's into all this endurance stuff, too. Mary, tell us about the triathlons. Well, um, I started doing triathlons in my early 50s, so it's never too late to start wow. something new. I had finished my doctoral degree, and I was like, I have been a couch potato for far too long. Um, so I started just by riding a bike, and one of my RCF students, inter- we were down in the basement in Hagen. Remember the gym in Hagen? <laughs> the gym. Is that what was the gym? For our <laughs> listeners, that's Hagen Dorm that was on our campus when we were still in Hyden, Kentucky. But go ahead, Mary. <laughs> right. So she was on the treadmill because she's like, well, I'm training for a triathlon. And I was on the bike because I'm like, well, I'm just starting to get back into cycling and stuff. And she, I'm like, do tell, do tell. So she started talking to me and I had to go do her site visit, and lo and behold, she had an extra bike. So when I was there, we went out on with a ladies' group cycling, and then she's like, you know, you really have, like, all this endurance. You should really think about doing triathlons. And I'm like, well, she's right. I'm going to try it. So wow. a year later, I had trained for a year, and then I did my very first triathlon, and I was like, oh, my gosh, this is so cool because it's not, like, just running forever because – I am not a runner. <laughs> I am a quick walker, jogger, until I had my knee replacement, and now it's really just fast walking. But you get the swimming, the biking, the running, and, and, and actually now I am really, really enjoying the biking because, like I said, I had a knee replacement. Mm-hmm. So the stress of the pounding on the pavement, even just walking, can make it uncomfortable. But I never have that feeling in my knee when I cycle. So actually... In about four weeks, I'm getting ready to do a 300-mile bicycle ride. Wow. Um, across Michigan. Um, and awesome. If, if COVID doesn't mm-hmm. hit us, um, the plan is to do that. And it's a five-day bike ride. Wow. So. You guys, I'm telling you, you almost make me feel guilty. Almost. <laughs> <laughs> I am very attached to my couch. Um, <laughs> I like my couch, too. Yeah, okay. I don't know when you have time to be on the couch, but I'll take your word for it. Okay, ladies, before we leave, you guys are both so inspirational. Would you like to share a piece of advice or words of wisdom to prospective students who may be listening to this podcast? Mary, I'll let you go first. Well, I guess um, I've been around Frontier for 20 years now. Um, I came for my first degree in 2001, so I'm officially at my 20 year affiliation with frontier and wonderful i had such a good experience that um, i came back and got a second (laughs) certificate (laughs) i got my fnp and then i returned again for my doctorate um what i got out of frontier was the support and um that that the faculty truly and staff, they truly care about your success. Mm-hmm. And um, I have gone to another university and didn't have quite the same experience. So <laughs> I'm maybe a little bit biased, but um, my best advice is to trust the process. Even when you feel like it's like 
just not going to work out. I've had RCF students that lose their clinical sites, especially during the COVID. Mm-hmm. And they're like, I'm never going to graduate. I'm like, it's going to work out. I promise it's going to work out. And lo and behold, they've all graduated. Wow. So trust the process. And, you know, if you're feeling like you need a little bit more, just reach out to your faculty, your advisors, um, the clinical outreach placement. Everybody is here to help you be successful. Wonderful. Yeah. What about you, Stephanie? I mean, I think Mary summed it up really well. You know, I would just kind of piggyback on what she's talking about in terms of the support. We, you know, do not be afraid to, to ask for help, um, you know, and don't be afraid of the process. It's kind of like when you are training for a race or a triathlon, you have like a 12 or 16 week plan in front of you and you follow that plan it's all laid out there for you it's the same thing at frontier there is a plan laid out for you and all the resources are right there and so if you're able to follow that plan and if there's a bump in the road just reach out to someone and we'll just wrap a host support network around you to be able to come up with a way to tackle that part of the plan there's highs and lows to every graduate program um, that you might go through but i really do feel like frontier is so unique in that um, in that support that we give our students in a distance education program. I mean, it's right. it's pretty amazing. I hear our graduates say the same thing Mary said. Like, I'm more I am more um, invested, or not? It's not they don't use the word invested. They're more tied to their their um, classmates in this program than even the, some of the brick and mortar programs that they went to. And I really do think it's about those relationships they build at orientation and having that one-on-one time with their faculty and the staff um, to support them. I just think it's, it's hard to find that at a lot of universities. So don't be afraid to reach out and ask for help when you need it. That's what we're here for. Yeah. And I I will echo that. You know, I attend a lot of professional conferences where our alumni are there to host receptions and that kind of thing. And I just love it. When I am at one of these big exhibit halls and I see all these people running down the aisle to go, oh, there she is. I've not seen her, you know. And and then when we actually have the reception to see the alumni who are so connected and are just so thrilled to be together again and sing the school song and circle up, which we'll have to do a whole episode about at some point. Um, But anyway, (laughs) ladies, I love it. And I, I, I think that, you know, you guys really make some great points and um, I think we can kind of wrap it up by your advice by saying it's not a sprint it's a marathon or a triathlon (laughs) so train and prepare well and trust the process right Right. (laughs) absolutely ladies again thank you so much for joining me today it has absolutely been my pleasure and I'm so glad to know and work with both of you Thank you, Angie. It was great. It was great being here with you guys. We'll do it again sometime, okay? All right. right. Okay. To our listeners, thank you. To our listeners, thank you for joining Frontier Nursing University All Access. We hope that you have enjoyed our conversation as much as we have. And if you would like to learn more about Frontier and how you can make a difference for mothers, babies, and families across the country, please visit our website at frontier.edu or reach out to me, your All Access host, at angela.bailey at frontier.edu. 
If you have enjoyed this podcast, and we hope that you have, please remember to rate, review, and subscribe. Until next time, thank you for listening.